Thank you, Greg. Let us pray together. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh now on this preacher. And those who are gathered to watch you on their television screens, and those who are gathered in this marvelous sanctuary to praise and worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My brothers and my sisters, we are strangers in a strange land. Our spirits, though, they, it longs for home, the kingdom of heaven. But we don't quite know how aware it is. But God has given us a guide in Jesus. And we catch a glimpse of this kingdom whenever we, as children of God, live in grace that's standardized by love. But in this consumer political council culture, it vanishes almost as soon as we get a glimpse of it, it goes away. And it's frustrating. It makes us grow weary. It's disappointing. But my friends, I believe that all things work together for the good. I believe everything flows out of our relationship with God. And as such, we can see God everywhere and in everything, especially in the eyes of those who call him Lord. My brothers and sisters, God has not abandoned us during these troubling times. As we get ready to commemorate 9-11, let us look back over the annals of history and see that even in that tragic moment in the history of this country, our God was there to hold our hand and carry us through. But if we only focus on me, my needs, my wants, myself, my pleasures, my sensations, when we act purely out of self-interest, we miss the new thing that God is doing in our midst. The phrase new thing is found several times in the Old and New Testaments. In today's scripture, Isaiah 43, Isaiah boldly proclaims the with favor, fever, I will do a new thing, says God. And friends, this text speaks to us during the surge of this Delta variant of COVID-19. It speaks to us. And it says, don't lose hope. Don't grow weary in doing good. I, the Lord God, will do a new thing in your life, God says to us, if you're careful to watch what I'm doing in the world, you will see that even during these trying times, I am making all things new. Can't you see it? Can't you perceive it? 
The Lord says, I'm doing a new thing in your life. That same thing, brothers and sisters, that same thing is found in the book of Revelations, chapter 21. Allow me just a few moments to set this scene. In the fourth chapter of Revelation, we find God described for the first time in Scripture. You see God sitting on his throne. It's a beautiful throne made of cornelian and jasper and emerald. Over that throne are thousands upon thousands of magnificent rainbows. God is sitting silently on the throne. Surrounding God are 24 elders, the 12 tribes of the Old Testament and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. Surrounding, the, surrounding them are faithful leaders of the Old and New Testament or cherubim and seraphim. Around them are millions and millions of angels. Still, outside of them are billions and billions of martyrs, saints who have lived and died for God. All of them are raising their hands in praise, all crying aloud, holy Holy, holy, it is a magnificent scene. And what does God say? While all of this praise and worship is swirling all around him, God doesn't say a thing. God is silent, as silent as an Egyptian sphinx. Then comes all the plagues upon the earth. And what of God? God is still silent. God does not say a word. Finally, at the end of the book, Satan is thrown into the abyss, into Hades, and God still doesn't say a word. All the way through the book of Revelations, God does not open God's mouth. God sits silently on the throne until we come to chapter 21. When we come to chapter 21, the end of the book, finally God speaks. God draws a breath and everything goes silent. Everything grows quiet. God draws in a deep breath and God says in verse 5, Behold, I make all things. That theme found in the book of Revelation is the same theme found in the book of Isaiah. It is the same theme that is woven throughout the Bible. The idea of conversion, the idea of complete change, the idea of not letting culture dictate who you are because God is sovereign. God says, I will make a new covenant with you. I will place it in your heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will give you a new name. You will sing a new song. I will give you new wine. And the great apostle Paul says the same thing when he writes, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, that one is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Paul Tillich, that famous American theologian and philosopher, in 
his writings, which most of us are required reading in seminaries, one of his most famous books entitled The New Being. It's really a collection of sermons. One of the sermons in particular is entitled The New Creation. And for me, I feel that is the best sermon in the book because in it, he says, if you want to summarize the message of the Christian faith, you can summarize it in two words, new creation. God sat upon God's throne and said, I make all things new. But what does that, what does that mean? How do we translate that word as we transition from one variant of COVID to another? What does it mean? How do we understand that phrase in this choose sides and gotcha culture? I make all things new. Many antique dealers specialize in restoring old furniture. I asked a dealer friend of mine, what goes into being an excellent restorer of old furniture? She answered me immediately, imagination, creative imagination. You have to see past all the layers of paint, chips, the past, the mars, the scars. You have to look past all the faults in the wood and all the broken pieces. You need to be able to see the piece of furniture in its original beauty. Your eye and mind must share the same imagination. You actually get excited about the possibility that you can see beneath the scarred surface into the possibilities of what it was. She went on to say, you have to have time and energy. Not a little bit of time and energy, but a lot of time and energy. These things don't just happen overnight. It takes time. It takes discipline. Discipline energy. The miracle doesn't happen just at the snap of a finger. It takes effort and energy. Third, she says, you have to love it more than you have skill. You need to love the piece of furniture and its possibilities. The skills aren't that hard to learn. The skill of using the right solution to strip the furniture. The skill of choosing the right Sandpaper, the skill of fixing a broken hinge. These skills are important, but not as important as loving the possibility you can see in the furniture. That's what God does with each of us. Like an antique restorer, God uses God's sovereign imagination to see past our scars, past the things that earth has a way of scarring us with, past the hurt of a pandemic which we thought we had under control but back again, past the raging floods of water, 
past missing students, past the hurt of people being shot to death in our community. And God is willing to put in the time and energy that is needed to erase those scars. Not a little time and energy, but a whole lot of time and energy. Love is more important than skill. God loves the possibilities in us so much that God is always seeking to restore us to our original beauty. When God says make all things new, that's exactly what God means. God takes what is old, tattered, abused, and makes it brand new. God would never discard us like old things that need to be put on the garbage heap. God would never throw us on the spiritual garbage heap, especially during these dangerous times. That's what we do when we start over. We dismiss people. We throw them away. But God works to restore what is already in them. Behold, I will do a new thing. God does not mean that God will gather the dust of the earth and breathe into it and create new humans. Instead, God takes the scarred and beaten person, gathers them up and restores them to their original pristine beauty. God, like an antique dealer who dips old furniture to peel away the layer of old paint, God dips or baptizes us with the waters of his Holy Spirit and peels away the layers of the things that separate us from God. If we're not careful, the things that are happening in God's world today will be used by the enemy to separate us from God. But God says, don't you grow weary. I, God, will make all things new. We gather here and wherever you are watching to begin a new week. And like old furniture, we're scarred and worn. Our lives have become corroded and coated with layers of pandemic stress and distress. The weight of the oppressive feeling that we feel in our city and in our world threatens to overcome us. We gather carrying our baggage. We are layered with baggage, with junk, with cruddy stuff. The crud of cynicism, the crud of anger, the crud of hurt, crud of bad behavior. The crud of jealousy, the crud of materialism, the crud of pettiness and short-temperedness. The crud would be enough to make anyone throw us on the junk heap. But then there is the scars, the scars of graduations that have been altered because of this dreadful pandemic, the scars of family gatherings 
not being held on this Labor Day weekend because of this pandemic. The scars of unexpected accidents, the scars of divorce and disappointment, the scars of abuse and misuse. And they are deep scars. There's not a single person listening to me right now who does not have scars. The crud and the scars would be enough to make anyone throw us on the trash heap. But then there are the broken pieces, broken families, broken hearts, broken opportunities because they are not there anymore. God needs to do something about the crud, the scars, and the brokenness in our lives. So God goes to work on us. God uses his beatific imagination and sees the possibility in us. He sees past the crud, past the scars, past the brokenness, all the way to the divine possibilities in us. How God can use us the way God used those faithful men and women during 9-11, the way God uses the first responders in our time, the way God uses nurses and doctors and those who are caring for us during this pandemic. And then God patiently strips off the old paint, strips off the old anger, strips off the old cynicism, strips off the old hatred, the old hurt, the old bad habits. God goes to work and starts to stand off those, sand off those deep scars in our lives. Then God fixes all the broken pieces. This is all takes more time than we want it to. I want this pandemic to be over. I want hatred and evil in our world, in our community, to be over. But God, God does not get tired of the process. God works on us until we have been stripped down to nothing and ready for God's new coat of paint. God starts with a beautiful stain of grace and peace. Then a coat of joy and happiness. And finally, a layer of God's love and affection. And when God is done with us, God says, behold, I make all things new. I can restore what the world has destroyed. Won't you let God use the crisis in our lives at this very moment? Will you allow God Will you a new thing in the middle of devastation and destruction? 